Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Glad to have you join us here tonight in this time of uh, study and worship. It's great to be here, great to be thinking and talking about the word of the living God. Join me in prayer tonight. God, we love you. We thank you for what you are doing in our lives. Thank you for the expression of the Holy Spirit. And thank you, Lord, even now for Pentecost Sunday, which is coming forward as we are reminded of that great gift to the church of the Holy Spirit. Have your way. Speak to us tonight in fresh, bold ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, I just want to uh, continue a conversation that we have been having uh, we have been dealing with this idea, Answers for the Struggle, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Problems, and this is number 14, Answers for the Struggle, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Problems. I have been um, reading the Proverbs for quite a while. All of my life I've read them, and, and I read them afresh with you during this series because there are so many things going on in the world that require us to be wise, that require us to take a look, to step back, to make sure we're making wise decisions. You know, I think about now, um, everybody's heard of Bitcoin, and there are Bitcoins that are going around, and there are ways in which to get in Bitcoin markets. But as, as good as Bitcoin can be, there's also a lot of people who are putting out false Bitcoins. And so the Bitcoin craze as it has been, has been to make millionaires and break millionaires almost in a single day. It's, it's a strange system that requires one to really learn. And I'm gonna talk more about this later on in the message, not necessarily about Bitcoins, but just about the wisdom that the text teaches us about these things that come to pass. I'm not putting down Bitcoin, I'm cautioning you so that your mind is open and thinking and there may be uh, right uh, things to get involved in and things that are not wise for you. You need to walk in wisdom with these things. Uh, now everybody's talking about NFTs. Uh, for those of you who don't know what NFTs are, they're non-fungible tokens. An NFT is a security, a financial security consistent of a, of a digital data stored in a blockchain, a form that is a, of a distributed ledger, so that the ownership of an NFT is recorded in the blockchain and it can be transferred by the owner, allowing the NFT to be sold and traded. Great idea. And there are some NFTs that work, but there have been some things sold as NFTs, as artwork that really was not done by artists or art. There have been some people who have been selling NFTs that they had no ownership in. You have to know that this is a season where godly wisdom has to begin with your own processing and discernment because wherever something is light, there is darkness. Wherever something is righteous, there's something wicked. Wherever something is good, there's something bad. Wherever you see salt, 
You have to know bitter is not far away. The same with sweet and bitter. You've got to know they're always opposites, always in function in the earth realm. So wherever the spirit of God is, there's going to be a spirit of the adversary. And if you don't begin to understand those parallels, then what you will do is you will find that you will become gullible to what the enemy is doing. So that where, where something may be a good thing, um, you take for instance, we, we raise funds for programs and uh, we'll say, can we raise money to buy and we just helped another church recently. Can we help that church? And then you'll say, well, what, what happens? Well, Deke just said to me, said, Bishop, I sent the check off. Because where you sent, where you gave, your resources combined with the resources we had has already gone out to do the ministry. Well, I can tell you now, sometimes you have these GoFundMe pages that are being put up by people that are not even associated with the issue. Um, a wonderful sister, uh, Marva Green, who lost her daughter at Sandy Hook. Um, she is just a great soul and has shared her heart and her mind. And if you've never heard her husband, her husband is one of the greatest um, jazz musicians ever to live. And you really should listen to his um, songs, particularly the one he wrote for his daughter, Anna Grace. But Marva said something the other day that I thought was really important. My wife and I were talking about this because she said that a lot of times when tragedies happen, like in Uvalde, and let's please keep those people in our prayers, this is a horrific time. It should have never happened. And a lot of the ways in which it was handled were handled wrong, and the lessons learned at Sandy Hook did not get to Texas. God forbid that anybody should be walking around on the streets like it's a military zone carrying an assault rifle. That's, that's just a responsible gun owner will tell you any day that there's no reason for that. And I'm not against the Second Amendment. I'm pro-Second Amendment, but I'm also pro-sanity. But, but, but Marva said something. She said, a lot of people raise money in the name of Sandy Hook that never got to Sandy Hook families. And she said, a lot of people raise, raising money in the name of Uvalde and the crisis there that'll never get to those families. That families who were not intending to bury children, and you know how expensive a burial is these days, will not have money to cover when money's being raised and it may never get to them. That's why we've got to be wise. This is a season where we have to check everybody. Keep your eyes open. Jesus put it best, be wise as a serpent, yet harmless as a dog. It's a season of wisdom. And, and so what, what, what Proverbs 14 tries to do is to impress us again in the development of our discerning tools, our tools of discernment. The lessons here help us to function better. And I, I think that in a world now that is so full of chaos, God knows, 
you know, there are some people who, who made it their life's mission not to work but to get over. They see getting over as their job, taking that which belongs to someone else, even if it means robbing the poor, robbing the sick, robbing the hungry, robbing the depleted, to do it. So what are the lessons that are in this, this, this teaching tonight that I want to give in the next few minutes I have with you? There are seven lessons from Proverbs 14. Seven lessons from Proverbs 14. And these seven lessons are the kind of thing that you want to grasp, hold on to, make as a part of your thinking going forward. Seven lessons. The first lesson is embrace fidelity. 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 And, and, and fi by fidelity, I mean continuing demonstrated loyalty and support. And what am I trying to embrace now? I'm trying to embrace godly precepts, godly principles. That's what I want to embrace. Embrace fidelity. Let's read a few verses. This is Proverbs 14. I'm reading the Amplified Bible. It says, the wise woman builds her house on a foundation of godly precepts, and her household thrives. But the foolish one who lacks spiritual insight tears it down with her own hand by ignoring godly principles. He who walks in uprightness reverently fears the Lord and obeys and worships him, will, him with profound respect. But he who is, de is devious in his ways despises him. In the mouth of the arrogant, a fool who rejects God is a rod for his back. In other words, if you reject God, you're setting yourself up for the whooping, for the beatdown. But the lips of the wise, when they speak with godly wisdom, will protect them. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. But much revenue because of good crops comes from the strength of the ox. A faithful and trustworthy witness will not lie, but a false witness speaks lies. A scoffer seeks wisdom and finds none, for his ears are closed to wisdom. But knowledge is easy for one who understands, because he is willing to learn. Embrace godly precepts. Now, of all the godly precepts there, we talked about, you know, people who give false testimony and who lie and all those things. And we talked about all those, and, and I've said a lot about them over the last few days and weeks. But I want to I wanna pick up on one that is not as obvious, which is verse 4, where it says, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. Well, the manger refers to the feeding trough. So where there are no oxen, there's no sense in putting out feed in the feeding trough. So the manger is clean. In the, in the clean manger, there is a sign of no productivity. You can't have a strong ox that is going to eat and not have a dirty trough. Okay, you missed it. You can't have the ox and not get the dung. So if you want a clean manger 
and you want no dung, dung is what comes out of the backside of an ox, if you want no dung, then that means you don't want the productivity that comes with a strong ox. There are certain things you have to learn to put up with. I get sick and tired. I mean, it bugs me to no end when people say there's too much work. That you, you work at a hotel and you, you're making, you're cleaning rooms. And you say, oh, I can't believe it. I got 10 rooms to clean. You got 10 rooms to clean. Shut up! Because remember, if there's no rooms to clean, there's no reason for you to have a job. I got five cars to fix. If there are no cars to be repaired, there's no reason for them to keep you employed. I had to make a hundred hamburgers a day. If there are nobody eating hamburgers, there's no reason for you to be there. I can't believe it. I had to read a hundred pages and I had to go ahead and write my essay and I had to go ahead and finish this article. And it's just so, if there's no work to be done, we don't need you. The problem with people, let, I, let me give a nicer example. Oh God, give me a baby. Lord, I want a baby. Oh, I can't. Jesus, please let me have a child. The Lord give you a child and the first thing you're talking about, I can't believe I got all these dirty diapers. Wait a minute. You can't have the child without the dirty diapers. They go together. In other words, there are certain things in life that you may be looking at wrong. Instead of taking pleasure in it, I tell you this much, ask any mother who's had a child who's had an upset stomach and could not relieve themselves. How happy you are when that child finally is relieved. I, um, this is funny. It's funny to me, it may not be funny to you. Uh, one of our parishioners had a lower GI surgery one time and lower body surgery and so they were in the hospital and the doctor told them that they could not leave until they passed gas because we got to make sure your bowels are working so you can't leave we'll, we'll, we'll let you leave as soon as you you pass gas okay and so she had not passed gas and it had been several days and they gave her some stuff and you know and tried to help her get it wake her bowels up you know so I went up to visit. And during my visit, they, they kind of let me kind of halfway know what was going on. So in my prayer, I prayed, Lord, I thank you for the release of these bowels. I thank you even now that she will pass gas in the mighty. And when I said that, she started cracking up in the middle of my prayer. And all of a sudden it was, Lord, help me tonight. You, you laughter does good like a medicine. You've got to realize that it all goes together. The principle being taught here is that productivity comes with some mess. Comes with some stuff. 
You can't do surgery and not have a surgical suite that's a bloody mess. There are instruments that have to be cleaned. Gauze and, and all kinds of wipes and stuff that have to be taken care of. That's not TMI, Charlene, that's just reality. Sooner or later, we all gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Listen, you have to realize that life requires us to deal with both the niceties and the mess. And if we can learn to look at the mess as a part of the nicety, we can enjoy it. Oh, I gotta wash my car, it's dirty. I can't believe all the pollen's on it. Thank God you got a car. There's somebody walking that would love your problem. Okay, I gotta rush on. You've gotta learn godly principles and you've gotta remain faithful to them and support them and embrace those godly principles of right living, of taking care of your household, of keeping your mouth and of speaking truth against the lies of the world. You've got to make sure that you look for wisdom and you listen to wisdom when wisdom is being imparted. All right, that's number one, embrace fidelity. Number two, number two, number two, you have to escape fools. Escape fools. There's some folk that you just, you, you can't just walk away from, you need to run from them. You just too dumb to be in my presence. Hello? There's some, you got, there, look, you've got, there's some people you just don't need to be around. God bless your pee-picking heart. Okay, you think I'm making it up. Here's what the Bible says, verse seven, eight, and nine. Verse seven says, leave the presence of a short-sighted fool. Don't even, don't even entertain him, just, just okay, God bless you. <laughs> See, you wouldn't wanna be you. Hasta la vista, baby. Listen, the wisdom of the sensible is to understand his way, but the foolishness of the short-sighted Fools is deceit. Fools mock sin, but sin mocks the fool. But among the upright, there is goodwill and the favor and blessings of God. Look, there are some people that you just need to leave alone. You just need to leave alone. I, I, I knew a guy one time who just liked to play with fire, like to always strike a match. Oh, I'm out. I'm good. I don't even want to play with you. Because, see, you're going to burn something that's going to mean something to me, and I'm going to act a fool because you acted a fool. You, you ever been around those people who, who always want to come up and punch you, see if you can take a punch? No, because you're going to hit me on the wrong day, and I'm going to swing harder than you swung, and you're going to think I'm wrong. Because I might, I might forget we in this punching game. Don't play them. I, you know, let, let me do it like homie the clown. Homie, don't play that. No, there's some people you just don't need to be around. You know, I, I, I ride my motorcycle. I, I, I don't ride as much as I used to. And, uh, I used to ride much more before the Lord carried home my good buddy, uh, Deacon Rainey. But uh, I ride my motorcycle. I always ride with people that are sensible, 
we ride, we just enjoying the road, we having a good time. And then we run up on some of these young kids who want to get up, they want to stand up on top of the motorcycle, they want to jump off the back and hold on to it with little metal things on their shoes and ride around. They want to do tricks and ride on one wheel. No, y'all, gone. I enjoy the road. I enjoy the nature. I enjoy the ride. I am not looking to die. I'm looking for enjoyment. I'm not looking for a thrill. That's why I, drive, I ride a Harley Davidson. I want to ride. I don't want a thrill. I'm, I'm not even going to Six Flags. I don't want a thrill. I'm looking to enjoy. Now there's thrill seekers out there and they're dangerous. It's the man or woman who wants to always see how fast their car can go. No, no. No. Just because the car say 150, 200, whatever it says, don't mean your car can go that fast. Because see, just because your car can get there, don't mean your tires are well enough equipped to make it there. So you get up to 100 and blow a tire out because it's moving too fast and too hot. Now you got to control this two tons. Stupid! I, don't, I leave fools alone. That's why, you know, there, there are people who drink and there are people who get drunk. And I leave drunkards alone. Because a drunkard will do anything and say anything. And drunk men don't tell no lies. They say, I'm going to kill you, you better believe it. They're crazy. Listen, <laughs> you escape fools. Now, I didn't name all the fools. You know the fools. You know the ones. You know the girl, your girlfriends you go out with who are, who are bound to need somebody to hold their hair. They got to hold their hair back while they throw up in the, talk, in, in, in the trash can. I don't need you around me. Don't be embarrassing me. Don't be embarrassing me. No. Escape fools. All right. That's just, just good wisdom. Just good wisdom. Number three. Number three. Have empathy for friends. Empathy for friends. Empathy for friends. Empathy for friends. Now, here's what the, the verse says. The verse says, the heart knows its own bitterness and no stranger shares its joy. Now, that in and of itself might not get you going. Because when you read it, it's, mm, okay. What that really means is, look, if I'm going through something and my heart is overwhelmed and you can't stand with me when I'm going, when I'm going through it, then don't be around me when I'm back on top. No, see, if you can't hang with me when life ain't treating me great, then don't, that, hey, don't come celebrate my victory. Let, here's the message, but I'll put it another way. The person who shuns the bitter moments of friends will be an outsider at their celebrations. See, if you can't stand with me when I'm down, don't stand with me when I'm up. 
can't, you can't hang with me when I'm down. Don't, don't try to ride my coat when I'm rising. No, you, 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 what, what I need is a friend, because it was the Bible said, a friend loveth at all times. I need you to roll with me when it ain't going good. I need you to roll with me when stuff is looking raggedy. And then, then when, when we get back on top, I'm on top, you on top. We celebrating this topness together. I rise, we rise. But don't, don't roll with me, hey, 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 hey. Don't come up at the last minute, Charlie. I done, I done went through all the H-E double hockey sticks, done cried by myself, didn't have anybody to console me, done had to hold my own head up, didn't have anybody to tell me it's gonna be all right, no cheerleaders around me. I done went through the HD double hockey sticks and high water, and now here you come, cause I'm back on top again. You gonna stand next to me. Tyler Perry depicted it well in one of his uh, Medea movies when the young man uh, playing basketball, his father put him and his mother down. And then when the young man gets drafted into the NBA, he come run up there and want to stand on stage. I'm the father. And you know, he, he looked at him and said, I don't know what he's doing here. My mother and I haven't seen him in, in, in 18 years. We, we don't know nothing about him. I don't know, why is he here? The, the reality is, if you can't be with me when I'm going through, don't stand with me when I'm rising. Leave me alone. But when you are a real friend, see, there, there are some folk that are ride or die. Some folk that are going to be with you through thick and through thin. And those are the folk that are your real friends. When everybody else stops calling, they call. I got some people I called that everybody else said should be ostracized. You, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't ever talk to them. They, they, they this, they that, they the other. Hey, that's what you say. That's not what God says. And I've seen some of those persons who were all the way down at the bottom and God raised them all the way back up to the top. They lost everything and God totally restored them. And where were those other people? Now they back restore, calling up, want to get an appointment, want to come, want to go to their churches to preach, want to be around them. No, man. Look, I, I didn't need an appointment before you were going through. Didn't need an appointment when you were going through. And don't want one now. All I'm here for is to be with you while you're going through. Because I'm going to pray you through. Because you will make it. You're not going to be my friend and not know you have at least one that's bombarding heaven for you while you're in the midst of your hell. You're going to have at least one. I don't care if you're the one that messed up. I'm playing God forgive them. God restore them. God bring them back in the relationship. That's your child. That's your daughter. That's your son. Bring them back, God. Bring them into the right path. God, show them. God, if there's a word in me that I need to give, let me deliver that word to them because I empathize with them because they're but for the grace of God. Go on. Stop acting like you all that. You one bad decision away from being in the midst of a mess yourself. Woo, I felt that one. Y'all, excuse me, I got, got a little happy, y'all. That's right, princess, boy, bye. That's it. The, the, my favorite one is, bye, Felicia. 
by Felicia. Uh, uh, can we do this one? Talk to the hand. Talk to the hand. We, we do. We good. We good. Okay, number four. Number four. Number four. Excuse foolishness. Excuse foolishness. And, and, and you need to get this. Oh, my God, my God. You need to get this in your spirit. What it means is to deliberately avoid it. Abstain from it. Get this in your spirit. Let's, let's look at the word. Verse 11 through 14. It says, the house of the wicked will be overthrown. Now, you got to know that. You, you wicked folks, sooner or later, they're going down. But the tent of the upright's going to thrive. There's a way which seems right to man and appears straight before him, but the end is, is the way of death. There's a way that appears right unto man, but the end thereof is death and destruction. Trust me when I tell you. Even in laughter, the heart may be in pain, and the end of joy may be grief. The backslider in heart will have his fill with his own rotten ways, but a good man, a good woman, will be satisfied with his ways, the godly thought and action which his heart pursues in which he delights. Look, stay away from the foolishness and keep your heart and your mind in the pursuit of God. Let your heart pursue godly thoughts, godly actions. Stay away from the fool. As Mr. T said, you can pity the fool, but stay away from the fool. And you, you fix your heart towards godly pursuits. You walk away from the dumb stuff and fix your heart Fix your mind, fix your spirit towards godliness. Let me tell you something. There are some people who have backslidden in their heart. I know that's not nice to say, but it's just the truth. And let me tell you something. Their ways are rotten. Hello? The way they act is rotten. The way they think is rotten. The way they walk is rotten. The way they talk is rotten. And if you stay around them long enough, you're going to start rotting. You got, hey, you've got to skew foolishness. No. Because see, when folks are on the road to death by their actions, you, there's no sense in you taking the ride with them. Hello? Number five. Number five, and this goes back to the top of what I was saying. Expect flim-flams. Expect flim-flams. There's always somebody trying to get over. There's a confidence game, a scam artist on every corner. And you need to expect it. Expect somebody is going to try and trick you. Now, I'm not trying to say go around being mean and look at everybody cross-eyed. No, 
I'm going to tell you now, just don't be naive. Everybody that says hello to you does not want to be in relationship as a friend. I used to tell young ladies this all the time. Every guy that speaks to you is not because he wants to be nice to you. Many of them are just thinking about what they can get from you. And what they want from you is that which is closest to you. They want to be joined to you, but they don't want to have to pay anything for it. They don't want to make any commitment, and they don't want to have any kind of obligation. They just want to be joined. Hello. If you can't get that, that means it's over your head and you weren't supposed to get it. Let me get, let me. Listen, verse 15. We're going to go 15 to 18. The naive or inexperienced person, that's not going to be you, is easily misled and believes every word he hears. But the prudent man, the prudent woman is discreet and astute and considers well where he is going. A wise man suspects danger and cautiously avoids evil, but the fool is arrogant and careless. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly and without self-control. A man of wicked schemes is hated. The naive are unsophisticated and are easy to exploit and inherit, inherit foolishness. But the sensible are thoughtful and farsighted are crowned with knowledge. Expect flimflams. Expect people who will want to abuse your kindness, who will want to take and get over on you, who want to do what the, you know, talking to a, a car dealer, and I'm not saying every car dealer, but many car dealers, don't think that just because they smile and call you by your first name and if they tell, know you go to church, mention God and Jesus to you, that they love you. They're trying to make money. They're trying, and they will upsell you. They'll sell you stuff you'll never use. They'll sell you lifetime stuff that never gonna break. They'll have things on there that are already covered and they'll cover it again with another policy that'll have you paying throughout the life of the loan. You gotta be careful. Expect it. Go into it like it's an adversarial relationship. That doesn't mean you're going to be mean or, or, or ready to fight. No, you go into it knowing that this person is not my friend they're trying to get over. Now, there are relationships with dealers, you know, uh, one of our one of our good members, Brother Vernon is a good car dealer. He'll tell you up front, you know, look, you really don't need to get that. You should get this, 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 because that's gonna mess you up. You're not really gonna help you none. You you need those kind of people. I'm talking about the profession in general. You need people who are gonna say, hey, look, that's a good car right there, but if you're not gonna keep it then, you know, you're going to trade in, then that's good. But if you plan on keeping that for five or ten years, you probably want to pay a little more and get this. He's not trying to upsell you. He's trying to tell you that that vehicle, the life on it, what we've seen happen with it, the repairs on it are not going to work out well. This one here may not be the style you want. Go back and study it. But this is going to carry you those ten years you're looking for. He's not trying to upset, but there are people in that profession who will sell you smoke 
and tell you you needed to have it. Listen, keep your wits about you. Keep your wits means always be thinking. Don't make hasty decisions. Don't be moved by provocations, no matter what people are prodding you to do. Don't be moved by that. If you don't get this car today, it'll be gone tomorrow. Well, that wasn't meant for me. I, I didn't come looking for that car. I, I'm, not, I'm going to wait and just think about it and see it. You got to jump right on. No, I don't have to jump on nothing. Because what's meant for me is going to be there for me. The Message Bible says, verse 15, this way. The gullible believe anything they're told. But the prudent sift and weigh every word. Don't be gullible. Don't be gullible. Don't be gullible. You want to keep your wits about you. Don't be gullible. Keep walking in wisdom. Think before you act. And let me, let me just say this again. If you find that you're hot-headed and you just jump off and you just say whatever's on your mind and you go, work on that right away. Because speaking your mind may be good in some situations, but most of the time when we speak our mind, and we tell them, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind, we give away what we really wasn't using anyway. Because what comes out of our mouth is foolishness. You know, talking about hot-headed, I saw a viral video of a young lady. They got the poor child's order wrong at McDonald's, I think it was. I, I think it was McDonald's. And this poor child, she's pregnant. And it may be pregnant hormones, I don't know. I don't want to blame it on that because there's been a lot of pregnant women ain't going crazy. But I don't know what it was. She was something wrong. She went in there and showed her natural tail, yelling at everybody, throwing stuff, doing all. She just over a hamburger. And if that wasn't enough, she walked out the place and twerked with her pregnant big belly self out the door. That's when you know you've let your emotions get the best of you. You have come, let me say this to you saints, if you are prone to becoming overly emotional, it is one of the first things as a believer you want to bring under subjection. If you're prone to hot-headedness, if you're prone to cussing folk out, if you're prone to getting mad first and getting the facts later, you've got to work on that. You've got to pray about that. You've got to bring that under subjection. Not only is it not godly, but it also will lead you into recklessness and it will ruin your life. It'll ruin your life. And so I tell you, expect flim-flams, but also I add to that to walk in wisdom. Get wisdom is the principal thing. All right? Number six. Number six. Always remember, eventually, there will be favorability. Eventual favorability. Eventual favorability. 
Now this is huge for the believer to get in their mind. The believer must get in your spirit. You must acknowledge and recognize that eventually it's gonna work in your favor. It may not be in your favor today, but eventually it's gonna come out. Now why is that important for me to get? Because I don't have to win in the moment. Eventually it's gonna work out for my good. I don't know when God's gonna turn it around, but it's gonna work in your favor because they're gonna turn it and around, and around, and around. Eventually, I don't care what it is, sooner or later, evil has to bow down to good. Eventually, favorability is on my side. I don't know when it's gonna happen, but I'm gonna get it, it's mine. Look, verse 19 says, evil will bow down before good. If you have your Bible, or if that's your, your PDA, your personal device, underline that word. Get it in your spirit. The evil will bow down before good. You, you need to post that somewhere. Remind yourself, and the wicked will bow down at the gate of the righteous. The poor man is hated even by his neighbor, but those who love who love the rich are many. He who despises his neighbor, neighbor sins against God and his fellow man, but happy, blessed, and favored by God is he who is gracious and merciful to the poor. The more I do for others, God's gonna bless me. Eventually, favor's coming to me. Do they not go astray who devise evil and wander from the way of righteousness? But kindness and truth will be to those who do good. So if I do good, eventually, you, you see where I'm going, y'all? In all the labor, there's profit. But mere talk only leads to poverty. So my work is eventually going to pay off. The crown of the wise is their wealth of, of wisdom. But the foolishness of the closed-minded fools is nothing but folly. A truthful witness saves lies, but he who speaks lies is treacherous. Listen, eventually it's going to work out that I lived right, that I disciplined my life, that I walked in godly wisdom. Eventually, favor is coming to me. I don't have to wonder about that. I don't have to wonder about, you know, um, old folks used to songs like, serving the Lord will pay off after a while. That's what you gotta know. Serving the Lord will pay off after a while. Doing right, eventually, favorability's coming to me. Don't know when. And sometimes it comes in the oddest places and the strangest ways. God just give me favor. And sometimes I, sometimes I have favor from places I'm just shocked. I'm shocked at the people that will, will bless me or, or will think of me or will pray with me or, will, or will, will know that God is on my side. Eventually, favorabilities come in my way. 
I'm going to get mine. God's going to bless me. So somebody thinks they robbed me? No. You may have got that bit, but you didn't get everything because you can't rob my favor. You can't get my favor. Just like you can't steal my joy. Number seven. I close with this one. Number seven. And that is exalted faithfulness. Exalted faithfulness. Let me tell you something. God honors your reverence. God honors your living. And if you do and honor God, God's going to honor you. God's going to honor you. How do you know, Reverend? Verse 26. In the reverent fear of the Lord, there's a strong confidence. Right there he says, look, because I walk in reverence of God, I got confidence. I don't worry about anything. God's on my side. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Lord of the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Listen, I walk in the reverence of God, so I got strong confidence. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You're in the hospital, but you got strong confidence. You got a bad diagnosis, but you got strong confidence. Your money doesn't look like it ought to be, but you got strong confidence. You're wondering how you're going to pay for college, but you got strong confidence. Why do I have confidence? Because I walk in the reverence of God. And God is on my side. Let me tell you something. Because I'm walking in the confidence of God, even my children, God is going to bless me and my household. And God says, and his children. What children? God's children. Will always have a place of refuge. Preach. Listen here. Because I am walking in the reverence of God, I've always got a hiding place. Shout on my king. Listen, because I'm walking in reverence, I'm walking in divine favor. I have confidence. I believe God's working it out, and I've got a place of refuge. Well, you don't need a place of refuge unless you're under attack. But when I am under attack, I'm not worried about being under attack. I got a hiding place. I've got a place to go. I've got somewhere and someone I can run to that's going to be with me and going to take care of me. Oh, good God Almighty. I got to go, y'all. The reverent fear of the Lord, that, that, the, the Lord that leads to obedience and worship is a fountain of life. Ah, because I walk in reverent fear, I've got a fountain of life. I've got a, I don't just have life. I've got flowing life. I got life abundantly. I've got that, I've got that, that, that life that he calls Zoe life. I got that God life in me. I got an abundant life flowing. He said, look here, so that one may avoid the snares of death. My life is flowing in me that even when the enemy puts up a snare, he can't get me. You, know, you can't touch this. Let me tell you something. In a multitude of people is a king's glory. But in the lack of people is a pretentious prince ruin. He who is slow to anger has great understanding and profits from his self-control. That's why I told you you got to bring that emotional crap under subjection. You're going to profit from self-control. But he who is quick-tempered exposes and exalts his foolishness for all to see. Hey, here here go, y'all. A calm and peaceful and tranquil heart is life and health to the body. 
Let me say it again. A calm and peaceful, tranquil heart is life and health to the body. I promise you this. You may not believe it, but I'm going to say it. I have not said it like this before, but I'll tell you my own truth. If my spirit were not as calm and peaceful as it is, I would have been dead years ago. I would have been dead years ago. It is in the calmness and the peace. Sometimes people tease me, you know, because I, I walk in such calmness when they're frantic and they wonder why I'm not accelerated. You know, my, my, even my family tease me sometimes. They call me Gandhi and they say, you, everybody can't be Gandhi. They get mad at me, my, my eldest daughter, she said, look at it, hey, 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 don't ask Gandhi. Let me, let me tell, let me say it to, to all of you. Listen, you need to get to the place where you are calm and peaceful and your heart remains tranquil. Even when the world around you appears to be crumbling, you should be at peace. Even when you don't know what you're gonna do next, you should be at peace. Why are you at peace? Because my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm not worried. What do you mean? Why are you at peace? Because he promised my peace I give unto you. My peace I, not as the world give, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 14. Why are you at peace? Because I serve the prince of peace. How is your heart tranquil? Because I've given my heart to him. I've given my heart to him. How's your mind at peace? Because I've allowed the mind be in me, that which was in Christ Jesus. And when you're walking in the mind of Christ, you can't help but walk in the mind of peace because the mind of Christ is the mind of peace. So if I have a mind of Christ, I've got the mind of peace. And if I've got the mind of peace, therefore my heart is at peace and there's a tranquilness in me. Let me tell you something. You've got to know, I'm done, I'm going to get out of here. You get this in your heart, you realize that what you and I have to do is to walk in righteousness and in integrity. And I'm going to tell you this, and I'm done for the night. One of the problems with this country right now is that we're not walking in righteousness. Anytime a nation will allow an 18-year-old on his 18th birthday to go by two assault rifles and then go shoot our babies up to the point that morticians who are gifted in, in crafting and remaking faces have to go and do the bodies of children that are mutilated we're not walking in righteousness anytime we live in a nation that does not understand that racism white supremacy, bigotry, xenophobia, and every other phobia is a sin. We're not walking in righteousness. Anytime a nation will sit back and allow the poorest of the poor to be crushed so that the riches of the rich can live well, we're not walking in righteousness. And the Bible says in verse 34, righteousness, moral and spiritual integrity, Virtuous character exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. And right now we're walking under disgrace. We're walking under disgrace. And what we need to ask for as a nation is God's forgiveness 
And as a nation, we need to repent. We need to do better. Not, not because we ought to, not because we might, but because we know what's right. And we can do what's right without infringing upon anyone's rights and still do what's right. This nation needs to understand that when you exalt God in your faithfulness, God's going to honor the reverence exalted faithfulness. God bless you, Lord. I thank you so much for your time. I love you all with the love of the Lord. I know I got excited. I'm, I'm really feeling this word tonight. I've blessed God for each one of you. Thank you for joining us here tonight at Shiloh. Thank you for joining me and thank you for those witnesses who are here in the sanctuary with me. I love each one of you. want to tell you now, if you are out there, you want to be a part of Shiloh, call us, email us, write us, Get in touch with us. We want to hear from you. You can become a member of this fellowship. I don't care where you are in the world, you can be a part of the Shiloh family. And we welcome you in this place. I want to give you an opportunity tonight to give. Give is unto the Lord. I love each one of you. There are three ways to give through Givelify, Cash App, or by mail. Put it to benevolence and know that your gifts are going to the people of God and to others to help serve and work the work of God in this earth realm. We want to love on the poor and the needy. I want to tell you I'll be online tomorrow in prayer with you at 1 o'clock. We'll thank Deacon Medina for just lifting us up last week with that prayer and that word. Oh, my God, my deacon's a preaching deacon. He, he, thank God for that word and thank God for that prayer last week. I'll be on with you tomorrow, 1 p.m. Join me for community prayer. I ask that you keep Elder Holly in your prayers today. I ask you to keep Brother Larry Davenport in your prayers, my dear Deacon Wiggins in your prayers, and there are others who have just lost loved ones. Please keep them in your prayers. Uvalde is in our prayers. Buffalo and the saints of Buffalo are in our prayers. We cannot forget all of those people who across the world are being bombarded by the Russian machine and the wickedness of Vladimir Putin. Let's keep the Ukrainian people in our prayers and the wars that are spread across the world because we know prayer changes things. And yes, if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, then will I hear from heaven, I'll heal their land, forgive them of their sins. I know God's gonna do something for us if we keep praying. I love you, thank you for joining me. I'll see you next week. God bless you. God loves you and so do I. And thank you to all of you who wish my wife and I a happy 34th anniversary. We thank you. We have enjoyed our fellowship together. 34 years, God has been good to us. Amen. We love you. We thank you on behalf of Lady Watson, myself, and I'll tell you again on Sunday. We love you. Go in peace and the very peace of God go with you. And you know what I say, Shalom.